It was around six o'clock at night on a Friday in 1995. I was in my room listening to the radio in Aguascalientes, Mexico, when suddenly the announcer broke in and said, This is 6 News at 6 with today's top story. One of the biggest stars in Tejano music, Corpus Christi's Selena, is dead. My heart dropped. At 11 years old, I was just beginning to understand how much music moved me. And I knew Selena's voice made me feel amazing. Back then, in my immediate circles, cumbia was sometimes looked down upon. I don't know why, but I was almost ashamed to admit that I loved her songs. I didn't want to be called a naca by my private school friends, which is a word that I would equate is the Mexican version of being trashy. Then I came to the U.S., and as I mentioned in a previous episode, I was shocked to learn that Selena was the only Mexican person that my friends in Columbus, Ohio had ever heard of. Girlfriend was a superstar on this side of the border. My friends didn't understand her words, but they loved watching J-Lo play her in the film. They didn't know what cumbia was. Hell, I didn't really know it either, but we were all mesmerized by her. In a time before social media, Selena could have easily surpassed Kardashian-level engagement numbers. Selena quickly became one of the most popular figures on the Tejano music scene. She won a Grammy last year for Best Mexican-American Album. Most of her recordings were in Spanish, but Spanish was not really her native language. Uh, it was English, which she had just started to record. And last year, Selena joked in an interview she still had trouble pronouncing Spanish R's properly. She could have been uh, an even bigger star had she crossed over into English and more pop music. Now, 25 years later, she continues to inspire new generations of people and is just as iconic as the red lipstick she was known for. The shame I once felt as a child playing her tapes is completely gone. Much like the shame I used to feel when I would forget a word in either English or Spanish midway through a sentence and I would have to go into Spanglish mode. <laughs> That's the iconic scene from Selena the movie in which J-Lo portrayed the singer's struggle to speak Spanish to the media. When Selena the series premiered last week on Netflix, I was reminded of the immense Spanglish subculture that exists within the Latino community. There's a lot of debate on whether or not Spanglish is, quote, acceptable. But I can tell you one thing is certain. Much like Selena, el Spanglish está para quedarse. You're listening to Diferente. Estás escuchando Diferente, the bilingual podcast where we celebrate and explore the complexities of living life between two or more cultures. I'm your host, Maribel Quesada-Smith, a producer and creative consultant from Mexico City, living in the U.S., who loves hip-hop and cumbia. I created Diferente to learn, laugh, and grow alongside you with stories and interviews that relate to the bicultural experience. Let's get started. Helping me explore this topic is my friend Sonia Alejandra Saunders, founder of Mujeron Movement, a judgment-free women's empowerment community where extraordinary Latina women come together in search for self-growth regardless of their language preference. Sonia has been able to use her obstacles as her power by creating a brand that equips women to step into their highest selves. 
Nowadays, it seems like everyone with a camera and a microphone is a quote, content creator. Don't get me wrong, I love that the internet has allowed so many people to test their creativity, but when it comes to your brand making an impact, wouldn't you rather partner with a seasoned media expert? Because your brand is more than a business, it's a story. So let me help you tell that story. I'm a producer and creative consultant who understands that your online presence should be working for your brand, not against your bottom line. If you're ready to create online video and audio content in English or in Espanol that builds trust and turns your audience into loyal customers, go to maribelqs.com forward slash ready and let me know. Welcome to another episode of Diferente. I am here with my friend, mi amiga, my comadre, my confidant, the girl that I complain to, and <laughs> all kinds of things. Sonia Alejandra, bienvenida. Welcome to Diferente. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Finally, me, me dio la invitación, Maribel. Ay, <laughs> es un honor, favor, gracias. <laughs> I've been wanting to have you on for a while. And we met a year ago, actually. We've yes. become fast friends since then. But we met a year ago almost at the event for the vision board, where we all made our vision boards and we talked about what we wanted to do in 2020. And we were all so excited about the <laughs> new year. <laughs> we had no idea. <laughs> Girl, we had no oh idea God. what was in store for us. <laughs> so I was like, who better, who better to have this conversation with than someone who understands the community that speaks Spanish, the community that speaks English, and the community that speaks Spanglish. Okay, so you're the daughter of immigrants. I'm an immigrant. So we have different views on Spanglish as a whole, I think. What is your view on what Spanglish is? First of all, like, how do you even define it? I feel like it's almost a culture. I feel like it's, it's just, you know, I grew up speaking Spanish at home speaking English at school and kind of just mixing it up myself as well. And it still happens now, even when I speak to my husband sometimes, because he doesn't speak Spanish, where I think about a word and I know it in Spanish and I can't say it in English. I just did it right now. I was trying to say uh, esfera uh -huh. <laughs> and I could not, but I just feel like it's been such a part of my life that it truly feels like it's a culture and people that have grown up the way that I have with Spanish-speaking parents and, you know, are, are bilingual, we just understand each other. I like how you said it's like almost like a culture. I would say it's even like a subculture of yeah. the Latino community because it's a whole new way of communicating in a sense. I mean, it, yes, it's English. Yes, it's Spanish. But then it's also like a... I don't know, like a, like a melting of the two, like a blending of the two, I yeah. should say. Because sometimes I feel like there are words that are sort of made up <laughs> in oh Spanish. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> By the way, I'm still thinking about how to say esfera in English. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm having girl, the same problem me, that you had. It took me like, I literally wanted to What cry. is it? Is it ornament? At, yeah, ornament. <laughs> I was That's like, That's funny though. No, but, but the thing is, es, esfera, esfera is... The round ornament yeah. is very specific. An yes, ornament can right. be anything that hangs on the tree, right? So it's actually yes. very different. That's the thing right there that sometimes, you know, 
it's just so complicated to explain what you're saying in Spanish because there's certain words that don't translate or vice versa. Even with Mujeron, like sometimes I was confused in the beginning because I'm, I was like, should I serve, you know, the, the generation where my mom, maybe they need this more. Should I serve my generation? Do I do it in Spanish? Do I do it in English? And it was just always like, I don't know what to do. And Did you feel like you were letting anybody down when you were picking either English or Spanish? Like, or, or for example, if you were going to do it in Spanish and you were speaking in Spanish, but you forgot a word and you threw in some English, did you yes. feel like there was judgment? Yes, I, I have because I've even had, you know, online events where someone logged on and they're like, hey, I thought this was going to be in Spanish because it says mujeron. And they would just log off. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't even know how to explain <laughs> that. You know, it just, I feel that ultimately we just have to see who, you know, for me, it was who is showing up more, you know, who is really needing this connection, this community. And that's kind of how I ultimately just determined what I was going to do. But I definitely felt kind of ashamed sometimes, especially when I worked in TV. Um, it was such a thing, you know, for, for hosts that were bilingual to use Spanglish, like it was so frowned, frowned upon. And anytime I remember it was myself and another host that we were bilingual and we were pochas, like to them, we were pochas <laughs> because we did not, you know, they didn't think we spoke good Spanish and here and there we would, you know, Spanglish it up. And if you look at it now, Telemundo, they have a show called um, Latinx, I think it's called. I don't know what it's called, but it's it's now a Spanglish show. And <laughs> now it's okay. <laughs> I feel like I've been saying that for years, like the, this is going to evolve eventually, right? But when I was first, like when I first moved to the United States, I remember when I would hear people sound you know, it's pochas, for lack yeah. of a better term. <laughs> Pocha is basically someone who's who's not speaking Spanish all the way correctly, you know, completely pure Spanish. They, they're called pochas or pochos, depending mm -hmm. on the, I guess, the sex, which could be another conversation for another day. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but I remember, like, looking down upon people who spoke that way. Like, people who threw in Spanglish, I always used to think it was negative. And I always used to be very rude about it. Like, I would mm. kind of judge, ugh, they don't really speak Spanish. They sound very <laughs> you know, and they had this accent. And yes, and the truth is that the longer you live in the United States, the less you sound like where you came from. So for mm -hmm. me, people, people judge me all the time when I go to Mexico. They'll say, oh, you sound like a gringuita sometimes. And, <laughs> yeah, they and that hurts. <laughs> like, that shit hurts. But uh, yeah. I understand that there's a difference now. Like, now I've grown, because I now I have experienced it for many years, now I've grown to understand and, like, totally relate to the Spanglish lifestyle. Like, I mean, yeah. you can't help it. You, if you work in English all day, and you're married to an English speaker, or, and so, or someone who doesn't speak Spanish, and you have half of your friends speak English only, then, of course, you're going to have trouble sometimes remembering Spanish or sometimes remembering certain words. The trouble comes from when you make up words. Like, that's, that's a little troublesome because then you're confusing people. 
Yeah. Like, no. I don't like that. I don't like it when in media people make shit up. And I think that's where a lot of a lot of linguists have the, I guess, that's where they get mad, where people mm-hmm. actually create words that don't exist. And then it becomes confusing for those people who are actually learning the, the language. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking too much. You know it, what? <laughs> really, I when I grew up, and I just, there was so many words. My parents are both from north northern part of Mexico, Sinaloa and Sonora. And they use a lot of words that they don't exist in the Spanish diction. <laughs> and okay, give I me some, grew, give me some. Girl, I grew up thinking like, what? When I actually found out what they actually meant. Parqueadero, parqueate, uh, you know, like. Carpeta I, for, for rug. There's <laughs> so carpet, many. Carpeta. You know, and I, when I grew up and uh, I found out that these words were actually being translated or like <laughs> not like phonetically, you know, not actually. Yes, yes. I Instead like, of parking lot. Yeah, parqueadero. I, I felt betrayed <laughs> <laughs> because I started getting, you know, pointed. They started pointing it out during TV. And, and I don't think that I would have ever kind of improved my Spanish if I didn't pursue something with formal Spanish, like TV, right? Yeah. Because there's so many people, like my brothers, they both were born in Mexico, and their Spanish sucks. My Spanish <laughs> is so much better. But that's because I actually pushed myself once I decided, hey, I want to be a journalist. You know, I, wa- I want to become a TV host for, for Spanish TV. I actually went out of my way and, like, read, you know, and, like, you know, started to learn a little bit more so and it also helped a lot that I used to sing mariachi when I was little so Ah, I had to read in Spanish can you oh my god I knew that was gonna happen (laughs) it was a long time ago (laughs) I love that actually we should totally we should totally do a mariachi karaoke one of these days post-covid yeah that would be so much fun but but I think that really helped me because if you compare my Spanish to my older brothers, like, no. Yeah. Well, okay, so here's the thing. I think that's part of the problem. I think that there are people that think Spanglish is using those words that are incorrectly translated. And I don't think that's what it is. I think Spanglish is saying something like, oh, mm. voy a mandar un email a mi amiga para saludarla y ver qué onda con ella, a ver si todo está cool. Like that's Spanglish to me. That's Spanglish. When you say I'm going to drive, you know, up the street and use the parqueadero like that, that's just incorrect grammar. In my opinion, like that doesn't apply to Spanglish or what do you think? No, you're you're completely right. Because I, I mean, I think that those words that were used that way with the Northern part of Mexico, it's more of like, that's their thing. Yeah, versus you know, versus this, which is like you're actually mixing both languages. And I can actually recall like the first time I ever encountered Spanglish, and I remember it was in third grade. We were writing letters to our parents, and obviously, a lot of the kids in my class. I I grew up in East LA, Mexico, <laughs> little Mexico. <laughs> yes, and a lot of the the kids were writing their letters in Spanish to their parents and I remember this little girl she put gracias por la food oh and and the teacher was like gracias por la food like she was just calling her out you know and it was it was kind of sad because 
the teacher was definitely laughing. And I think that was the first time that I understood like, oh, wow, she used both languages in a sentence. Oh, and you thought that was cool or that was weird? What did you No, think? I thought it was bad. Ah, okay. Now, yeah. was that frowned upon at your house? Like, were your parents like, don't mix the languages or don't speak yes. English here? Even now, and I think it's more than anything because my mom doesn't understand when we speak English, it's disrespectful, right? That you're speaking and you are saying things and they almost feel like, hey, you don't want me to understand your conversation. Uh, I would have never thought of that. Yeah. I guess because my parents speak English, so it's a little different. But we mm. always spoke Spanish in, at, at home. We didn't speak English, even though we all speak English. But it was definitely criticized when I would not remember a word. If I would say something in English because I was trying to kind of translate it, but I couldn't remember how to properly say the word. And I would say something like, I, don't, I never said parqueadero, I will say that, because <laughs> I knew that wasn't right. But, you know, whatever. You know, if I, if I said email... Ah, voy a mandar un email. I'm going to send an email instead of correo electrónico. Um, that's I so would have got yell that. Not yell that like in an angry <laughs> way, but my parents would have been like correo electrónico. Saying email versus correo electrónico. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Saying email versus correo electrónico is like totally, yeah, it's unnecessary. Like, why do I have to say? Yeah. Just like voicemail. Like, I don't say I left you in Spanish. In Spanish, I won't say te dejé un mensaje de voz. Yeah. I'll say, te dejé un voicemail. Like, I don't even, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's just too long. Mensaje de voz, that takes way too long. Like, let's just go with voicemail. But if you think about it, like, okay, so here's the dilemma. Why does it matter? Is it, is it bad that we're creating this new dialect? I, I guess I haven't yeah. been able to decide. Like, I don't know that it's bad. You know, at first I felt, Yes, because I worked in TV and like that was such a huge thing. But now that I see, you know, even t TV accepting Spanglish and I would say maybe just the people that are like really into Spanish and like grammar and dictation, like they might just <laughs> want to slap all of us. <laughs> But other than that, I mean, it's it's our life, right? It's what we live through every day. I mean, I married someone that doesn't speak Spanish so for me like that's my daily you know having to use translate and then use Spanglish and it just becomes a part of you so I don't think it should really and matter. I feel like I feel like Spanglish has a life of its own because there are certain words that you just can't translate like the meaning just it just doesn't make sense and my yes. husband asks me all the time like oh how would you say you know like that's dope in Spanish and I'm like uh I guess I would say, like, um, que padre. I don't know. Yeah. Like, it, but it doesn't have the same feeling. It doesn't have the same connotation, you yeah, know? So like, or true. like when you say in Spanish, like some of the words that we use to describe how we love somebody. Like, ay, mi amor, mi vida, mi corazón. That doesn't feel the same way when you translate it. When you say, yeah. oh, my heart. Uh, <laughs> that just sounds, it, it just doesn't sound good. And I think that that's why... Spanglish has a life of its own because there's no way to translate certain things. And the only way to understand the way that it's supposed to be understood, what you're actually trying to say in your phrase is to keep it in that language. You know how the Bible's been translated, you know, God, mm -hmm. God knows how many times? 
I feel like I feel like if they had just figured out a way to use something similar to Spanglish, we would completely understand what they actually meant to write originally. <laughs> this is so a cute. really bad comparison. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like like the like that way they wouldn't have actually changed the meaning because in reality like a lot of the stuff that's in the Bible now yeah, the meaning has so kind true. of evolved, right? It has a little it has changed a little bit. Maybe the tone's not exactly right. Therefore, it can be left up to interpretation. Well, if they had found some sort of, you know, Spanglish yeah. version too. <laughs> To the original We would language. understand it. <laughs> Maybe we would have the exact meaning the way it was meant to be, right? I know. I'm going to get slapped for this by my grandmother <laughs> if she spoke English, but she doesn't. So <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think there's like, it's Spanglish is still very informal, especially when you go to Mexico and you go to Latin America. Like I, I must, I feel like out there it's, definitely not accepted it's it's more of a u.s you know immigrant dot like daughter of an immigrant type of thing no yeah you're not gonna see uh like a broadcaster in mexico speaking spanglish you're not just that's just not gonna happen and if you're gonna do business you're not gonna go do business in spanglish maybe i don't know maybe that's part of the reason why it's looked down upon yeah because it's informal and it's it's the older generations that probably frown upon that, you know, because growing up, they didn't see that as okay. Yeah. And I think the more, you know, time goes by and the more our generation grows older, like it's going to be more accepted with the younger generations as well. So Spanglish is more like a subculture thing. I think we've determined, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> I definitely think it is because yeah, it's like when a I lifestyle. See people, Would you say it's yeah, a lifestyle? When I see people that are, you know, they have the same kind of experiences with the languages, I'm just like, you get me, we get each I other. I know. <laughs> That's here's the thing. Here's what I love about Spanglish. I never used to recognize and understand before. I thought it was just like wrong, but I didn't understand this one thing. Spanglish is basically the definition of who you are as a person. Like if you live in a world that's bicultural, where you're straddling the Spanish speaking culture, the English speaking speaking culture, Spanglish is basically the best of both worlds. And it's who you are. It's your essence as a person. So it's, it's basically like, you don't have to pick, you don't have to just do English. You don't have to just do Spanish. You can combine them and it's beautiful and it's an expression of who you are. So I think that's why I'm now kind of an advocate for Spanglish to be used in a, you know, in, in, in a friendly, you know, low key kind of setting where it's a part of you. It's not, you don't have to choose. Yeah. And I honestly feel like that's why I chose the two words to define Mujer on Movement. It had to be one in Spanish and one in English because Ah. that's how we bring both cultures. You know, that's how I grew up. And I know that there's so many of people like me that I wanted to bring us together as well. Ah, see, that's a great segue. Spoken like a true journalist. <laughs> you read my mind. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more, more about Mujeron Movement. How did it come about and what are you up to these days? Officially, we launched two years ago. 
but I truly feel that this movement kind of was created back when I was 19. I always wanted to be a TV reporter, TV host, like I mentioned before, and I participated in Nuestra Belleza Latina, which is like a reality show slash beauty pageant, and whoever wins pretty much becomes a talent for Univision, which is one of the largest Hispanic networks. And and if you I, don't know that by now, then I don't even know what to tell you. <laughs> it's like, thank you for defining it and clearing that up. <laughs> a lot of people don't know, so I just I know, but sure they really should. <laughs> You're so nice. It was, you know, if for so long it was like the the dream, right, of like the the Latinas in in the U.S. But um, I went as a 19, and I I remember just feeling so confident, you know, practicing in the mirror, like I can do this. And the moment I stepped on on the stage for the audition, they were like, "Hey, well, you need to lose weight if you want to be successful in the industry." And I remember that was like the first time that someone just straight up was like, you need to lose weight and you might not be good enough to win this. So it was really hard on me as 19, first time ever leaving my house. Obviously, my parents, the true Latinos they are, they were just like always, you know, you can do it and this and that. And I lost the, the, the weight that they asked me to lose. And they picked me out of like thousands of girls in LA. They picked me to be one of the girls that went to Miami and I couldn't believe it because there was women there that were just like in crazy shape. You know, they've been on TV, they've done this, they've done that. Like I had only sang. That's the only thing I had done before. I remember still feeling like very insecure, like so many. I, I can't even remember one time being in the competition and feeling like I was going to win. Because they had already made me feel like, well, you know what? You don't seem that good. And you mm. know what? Um, you need to lose weight. You're not going to be able to make it. And this, this, and that. And even with the girls, like, I remember they would, like, say, you know, specific things. And one of them had said, no va a ganar un mujerón. No van a escoger a un mujerón que gane. And okay, now you have to explain what that is. Yes, so it was like they're not going to pick a mujeron. And mujeron, for a very long time, it meant that it was a big girl. It was just like a thick girl, you know, like those girls that are just curvy. And um, I knew she was talking about me because I was already signaled as the bigger girl in the group. And, you know, the, there was always comments, so I already knew. And that word mujeron just kind of stayed with me. And it haunted me for so long. I just, man, I struggled with my self-image for so long after that. Um, just, you know, wanting to be thin so that I can fit in and I can be on TV. Because I got eliminated, went back home, fell into depression, you know, just wasn't really sure what I was going to do, but I, I knew I wanted to be on TV because I had fallen in love with like the TV world while I was there. So fast forward seven years later, I knew what would work, which was going to school and knocking on doors. I um, was able to work on TV in Phoenix and Nuestra Belleza Latina comes back. But this time they open it up to 
sin tallas, sin límites y sin excusas, which pretty much meant it didn't matter your size, it didn't matter, like there was no limits, no excuse, like anybody can show up. Any age, so, anything, like... Yeah, any age, wow. like older women, you know, it, they just like literally opened it up. So I was like, okay, this is it, you know, this is it, this is the time yeah, that they're not going to, they're <laughs> not going to be like, uh, you need to lose weight. Right. I've already prepared myself. I've gone to school. Like I've been on TV before. I've done live shows. I knew how to carry myself and I knew what I wanted to do. So I go back, but I remember telling my husband, like, I need to make a statement. I really want to show and kind of represent the old Sonia, you know, because I'm coming back to the place that really hurt me and that it took me so long to really accept myself. And I don't think I even then I accepted myself. So I come back and I and I wear a shirt that says Mujeron because that's the word, you know, I remember that word that they told me. And I I go back to represent all the women that at some point had been told, you can't do this, this or that because of this, this and that. And for me, it was my weight. But for so many women, it's been so many different things, you know, especially Latinas, language barriers, you know, where we come too dark, from. too short, too dark, too short. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I just really wanted to represent all those women and show them that a mujeron could win this time. You know, that they were going to pick a mujeron this time around. And even though I didn't win, uh, I went home and I just knew that there was a bigger responsibility with this word. You know, and and there I met... Um, Denise Bidot, which she's a plus size model, and she had the no the wrong the no wrong way movement, and I was like, I love that, like a movement to just represent women, you know, and and I wanted to do something where I could show and meet women who have been able to overcome, you know, their obstacles and allow them to hear my story and hear their story, and how can we come together and just become that person we want to become reach those goals you know and just build this community of understanding what we go through and learning and growing together so the first event we made it was just a hike I invited a, a really good friend of mine who man she has just such an incredible story and everybody like really opened up we were crying we were laughing and it was just like such I feel like somebody always moment. cries at your events. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> but it's cathartic. It's not, like, depressing. It's, it's like, yeah. it's game-changing when you attend and you get to cry at one of your events because that means that something happened that inspired yeah. you and it's making a change in you. Yeah, and I, I think I'm, I'm a very spiritual person. Like, I really love to feel, you know? energies and just everything and I feel like every single time that I have an event like I just pray before like please God let me just touch someone today let me help them really overcome whatever it is that they're going through because I've been there you know we we go through it every day sometimes (laughs) you know those moments where you just feel like fuck I just I know I have it in me but I don't know how to do it and like I love being able to let women know, like, you got this. 
Like seriously, you can do whatever you want. And one of the things for me that I like to to share is like, I thought that I was going to be a TV reporter. I thought that right now I was going to be either reporting at El Gordo y la Flaca or Despierta America <laughs> or something. <laughs> yes, crazy enough it is. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm not. And, and I still found a way to make my purpose, which was to inspire women, happen through this movement. And it's not easy, you know, because I can't really compare this to being on that yet. But I know that if I work hard enough, like it's going to amount to a lot for me and my and and nothing else beats me going after my purpose. Right. And I think that that's the main thing that my goal is through Mujeron is helping women find that purpose and just helping them go straight for it. And our slogan is we help you become the mujeron of your dreams. And that can mean many things, right? But yeah, whatever makes you happy, whatever makes you feel full, and then you can pour that onto others, that will just make my dreams come true. That's what I love about you is that you are very authentic about your dedication to the movement, dedication to this community of women that you've, you've actually you've created it you know, from scratch. You're so authentic about how you feel and what you share. And that's a really hard thing to find nowadays. There are a lot of people out there who are just talking heads and just kind of mm -hmm. saying whatever people want to hear. And I do know from meeting you, from being at your events and from collaborating with you that you're authentic in your message. And that's so important when it comes to building communities like this. So that's why I wanted to have you because I feel like, first of all, we always vibe. We're like on the same yeah, level we do. all the time. <laughs> like, you know, like, think I felt so, so I think the moment that we, we were working together and like, I would always ask you like, Maribel, what do you think about this? And the night that you were like, Hey, what do you think about this? Like, give me your input. I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Maribel wants my input. <laughs> I was like, maybe I do know something. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Because I just, I love connecting with women like you that are just, I know I can learn so much from you, right? And and I feel when you guys feel that you can learn from me, it's just like like that mutual love that we have for each other. And I yeah. just really appreciate it. Yeah, I highly encourage any woman out there that is looking for a, a community that is authentic, supporting, and just female empowerment all around, definitely go check out Mujeron Movement. Where do they find you? So they can find me at Mujeron Movement across all platforms, uh, mujeron.com. Um, email me at mujeronmovement at gmail.com. Um, yeah, I would love to connect. If you want to join a community of women that are like-minded, that are on their journey of finding themselves, of becoming that mujeron of their dreams, of building their empires, this is it. I don't promise you that we, we know everything, but I do promise that I can connect you to someone that can help you because that's what I love to do. Like, yeah, I know that's I don't for know damn everything. Sure. That's for damn <laughs> sure. You are a really good connector because I'm always like, Sonia, I need this, this, and that. Can you, can, can you tell me who I should talk to? And you're always directing me to some <laughs> yeah. people and you're great at networking. And that's another thing that I've really learned through the community is that you have 
attracted a lot of women who are doing big things. You know, it's it's not like every, everyone's in different stages, in different uh, places in their life and their careers, and all of us together in the collective make this group that can really help each other and inspire one another. And I think yes. that's that's magic, man. That's really cool. Thank it's you. It's been amazing. No, I, I honestly just want to say thank you to everyone that has believed in it, that has collaborated, that has supported, shared everything. Just it's it comes together and it, it creates what we have done together, you know, because I wouldn't be able to call this a movement if it wasn't for everyone that has put a little grain of salt to yeah. make this possible. And right now you're doing virtual events, but eventually we'll get back to in-person, which are amazing. And I can't wait for those days to come back. Yes, I know. It's It's been sad, you know, because every month I had an event and now it's like we do meet virtually, but it's definitely not the same of like feeling that energy in the room. So I can't wait either. Thanks for listening to Diferente. If you've enjoyed this episode, let me know on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Maribel underscore QS. And if you haven't already, don't forget to show me some love by clicking on those five stars in the reviews if you're listening on a platform that allows that. Until next time, remember to be curious and courageous in your growth journey. Hasta pronto. Hasta pronto.